the Faith and Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Bubbles, and welcome back for the seventh Sunday of Easter for the week of May 13th, 2018, and I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to be able to bring this to you. I know it's a little bit later getting out this week, but this is because, as I talked about last week, I attended the conference, Jesus Wrote a Dinosaur, talking to kids about faith in the scientific age. And with that, I wasn't able to quite get this out and get it right to the specs that I wanted to. So I will be giving it to you a little bit later this week, and we should be back to our regular scheduled programming next week. But before we even get into this week, I briefly wanted to talk about the conference. I really enjoyed it. And there was a lot of good things. There were some great speakers. We had Paul Douglas. We had Paul Wallace, who is an astrophysicist. We had Ask Science Mike. We had uh, Christina Tibbet, who's on NPR. So I got to learn from a lot of new people. Uh, they also had a biologist from North Texas. She was awesome. Janet Ray. So there was a lot of good people. And it was great that way. I was able to pick up some new facts, new tidbits, some different ideas and things to be able to bring to you. But it was also for me personally, at times it was just frustrating because coming from a scientific background and watching these leaders in the church, these a lot of youth leaders, some pastors, and how we haven't, our leaders at times haven't spent enough time. And, and I feel like it's partially like the congregation's responsibility. We haven't spent enough time grappling with these issues. And then we're talking about how kids are grappling with these issues and we haven't figured out how to talk about it. And it just made it really difficult for me being that I've come from a scientific background. I've had faith my whole life. So I've grappled with these a lot and I've just dealt with them and, and, and worked through them and had, I guess for me, fortunate different professors and stuff even in college to help me kind of work through some of these issues that isn't always the case so I guess I'm fortunate in that manner and it it was discouraging because at times it felt very basic very fundamental and I wanted to take that next step or two with where we were going with the discussion but a lot of people weren't ready for that but it was also encouraging to be able to see that this is something that is needed, that I am not crazy, that there are people who are outside in the faith science and have faith like me and see that these two do work together, that they're having astrophysicists and high-end biologists being able to talk about these things and say these do line up and that I am not being delusional. But I would again also encourage you, if you're listening to this podcast, if you do feel like there are people who would benefit from hearing this, feel free to share it out. And as I've stated before, I am still working on things behind the scenes to try to make this so it's more accessible to more people. And I, right now, it's just having to be sharing it by the word of mouth, but I'm hoping really soon to be able to bring this out to a broader audience, and I'm excited to have you along for the ride. But let's get back then to the text that we have this week for the final Sunday of Easter. We have the Ascension later this week, and then we hit the beginning of Pentecost. The day of Pentecost is the Sunday after this. And we've kind of been dealing with a lot of these different things, and I've been really impressed for not being an ordained minister. At times, feeling like these are very repetitive texts, and how was I going to approach these? And I kind of brainstormed an idea right before I went to the conference, and I'm glad I actually had a couple days to work on it. Because I'm going to convince you that this week... This text in com- is can be seen in prairie dogs, and that's where I'm going to go with this. But let's get into it. The gospel text this week is from John chapter 17, verses 6 through 19. And this is the prayer 
that we get in John in Gethsemane before Judas betrays Jesus. And he has some profound words in here. And if you don't know the whole context, it can be very difficult to read. Starting in verse 10, all mine are yours and yours are mine. I have been glorified in them and I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them in your name that you may have given me so that they may be one as we are one. And if we skip down to verse 16, they do not belong in the world, just as I do not belong in the world. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I sanctify myself so that they also may be sanctified in truth. And so it's very, coming from a person on this side of it, it, it's it's an encouraging prayer, but again, making sure that you're giving the context to that. And, I, and this is going to be kind of the crux this week of where we're going to be going, but we'll get back to it. The first reading is from Acts chapter 1, verses 15 through 17 and 21 through 26. And this is, again, talks about how the... Holy Spirit is coming, and they talk about how the 12, the 11 disciples at this point, how they're electing the new disciple, and, and that they were needing this this 12, these 12 apostles to be able to go out and continue God's work. I would encourage, if you haven't checked out Working Preacher with the podcast, they have some interesting thoughts about this, and I would agree, when you're casting lots on whether or not you're going to be the 12th disciple, pretty interesting little thing. I'm going to skip first to the second reading, and then I'm going to get back to the psalm. The second reading is from 1 John chapter 5, verses 9-13, through 13. and again, we get this, the kind of the wrapping up here of 1 John. This is the last week we're going to have 1 John in the readings. And I want to read this whole thing to you. I think, again, there's some real truth in this that I think is really good to pull out. If we receive human testimony, the testimony of God is greater. For this is a testimony of God that he has testified to his son. Those who believe in the son of God have the testimony in their hearts. Those who do not believe in God have also made him a liar by not believing in the testimony that God has given concerning his son. And this is a testimony. God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. Whoever has the Son of has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the Son of God so that you may know you have eternal life. End of reading. So again, this kind of actually kind of relates a little bit more to summarizing more what we've been kind of hearing in Acts the last few weeks, this boldness of going out and talking about it. And again, we got to remember that this John has been talking about the love that Christ has for us and how does this all work together. Finally, we also have Psalm 1, the whole first psalm, and talking about how when we delight and meditate in the Lord that he lets us flourish and that we can see the fruit and we won't be just blown away. It's giving us a foundation. And that's actually something that was brought up in the conference. Paul Wallace did a great job of discussing how faith has a skeleton and that science doesn't have a skeleton, that there's a core belief, there's a core structure. Quote from him, or paraphrasing 
Paul Wallace, who is an astrophysicist. Science is not possible to stand on its own as a life view. It's a skeleton and can't stand on its own, where science constantly needs context. Whereas faith has always been about everything. Faith is context to the universe. Again, coming from an astrophysicist. And I think that's kind of where we're getting, again, a little bit here with this first psalm. That with Christ, with the faith that we have, he gives us this firm foundation to build off of. So how does this all relate to prairie dogs? Was I was going through this and we're kind of thinking about, okay, you got this prayer, the final prayer of Jesus before he goes to the beginning the process of the passion. You have the 11 in Acts getting the 12 so that they can continue the mission. We kind of have this summary of in 1 John, again, stating that it's this belief in Christ that is the eternal to us. And this first psalm going through how we need, the faith will not just wither away. We won't be just blown away. It gives us foundation. It gives us solidity. So I was looking at this and started thinking about really what this is again about in this final Sunday of Easter is the relationship that Christ has with us. And that we still have kind of these undertones that we've been getting the last few weeks of what does that mean for us now that Jesus has been resurrected, that Jesus overcame the grave. And I started thinking about it in the simple thing that you were taught as a kid is a food chain and that all these parts of a food chain are valuable. An ecosystem needs every needs each other. If you start removing things, things don't work. And I'll, I'll link a thing down below. There's I know I've, I've seen it multiple times, like a short five minute documentary talking about the reintroduction of wolves into Yellowstone and how it changed the ecosystem dramatically for the better. They were talk about and lay out in the first part of it how there's all these issues that were going on in Yellowstone in the mid-90s. There was erosion issues and how were we going to maintain, how were you going to manage? That's a lot of where conservationists in certain positions, that's what they get into is like land management and how are you going to deal with overgrazing uh, when you're having then different species just grazing and not doing anything and makes it difficult for trees to grow. And then when they reintroduce wolves and got the populations moving and all of a sudden there was these issues that you wouldn't think would be attached to a wolf were disappearing because it had changed the ecosystem, in this case for the better. And for me being kind of this person of environmental background, if you want to look into another side project of that, look into Aldo Leopold, who is considered by many the father of conservation. And after he died, they published this thing called the San County Almanac, which was a lot of his writings. And in there, there's a writing called Thinking Like a Mountain. And this was written in the 1930s, before wolves had been eradicated from Yellowstone. And he talks about kind of exactly what happened in Yellowstone with the wolves removing. And the beautiful thing in that context is actually he's addressing it and writing it as if he was a mountain. And writing it from the mountain's perspective on how all these things are knitted together. And we look at our faith and that's the same thing. But now you're saying, Tyler, you've talked about wolves and you talked about ecosystems. How, how does this relate to prairie dogs? Because prairie ecosystems are a little bit different than that. Prairie ecosystems, and when you're talking about ecosystems, there's you talk about keystone species. Now, keystone species is defined as a species that has greater impact on its environment than you would expect. So, 
Prairie dogs are a great example of this. So you would assume that a prairie dog is kind of just a mid-level. It's along the chain. It's going to probably eat some grubs and different things along the way, maybe some small varmints, and it's going to get eaten by something bigger than it. And that's the case, but the impact that it has is something that if you're from the northern United States, you know that pocket gophers also do, and it's creating these mounds of dirt. And if you think about the original tall grass prairie, so you're talking these big tall grasses that roots that went down up to 200 feet that would have been standing upwards to eight feet tall that would have stretched across a good part of middle America, the prairie dog, when it would make these tunnels and lift up the dirt, it was stirring things up. It was shaking things up. It gave the opportunity for new species of grass or new grasses to grow because it had upturned dirt. It had upturned it and it was essentially kind of recycling the prairie, if you want to put it that way. And that it dramatically helps change the ecosystem so stuff doesn't stay stagnant. It helps so that you have fresh growth and new growth so it's not just old growth. For when you had the bison grazing the plains, it helped with that. And so it and made a major impact. In our lives, Jesus was the original pocket gopher, was the original prairie dog. He was turning things up. He was exposing new sides of what we were perceiving God to be. He was showing that God isn't the God that we know in the Old Testament. There is this loving, compassionate, caring God. But after he's left, we get this stuff that we've been getting in Acts and we've been getting in 1 John and that we've been getting even through the gospel text that you need to continue this work. This wasn't purely Jesus' work. And if you think about it, the prairie dog has a very special relationship with the prairie. It has this relationship that it, that's treasured, that's needed, that it, it it's very needed for the prairie. And, and for us in our Christian walks, we need the same type of thing. We need to be talking about our faith. We need to be growing in our faith. It's an active thing. Prairie dogs don't just run underground to make burrows underground. They eventually have to pop up and bring that new life and new dirt. And as I was even thinking back to this conference, that's what we're trying to start with this thing with Andrew Root uh, and in their conference team with putting forth a new ministry. And I can attach that stuff down below, bringing in science into youth ministry. But I would argue that this is something we need to do for the whole church. We need to be start okay and comfortable with change. We need to be comfortable with the idea of thinking about and challenging some of our preconceived notions. We've done this before. We've had it happen multiple times in our history. And if we don't change, we're stunting our growth as the body. And not and now that's a whole nother discussion for another day that we'll talk about this how you know each of us have a different role in this. But in this, this relationship with God, we have to, as a church body, be comfortable with being uncomfortable. We have to be okay with challenging what we think and working this through. And right now, the hot button topic is science and faith. And as I'm kind of proposing with this podcast, I don't see it as a major conflict. But I I know as I dig deeper, there are things that challenge things. Challenge and I have to think and wrestle with and how am I going to work through this? It's hard, but it's fun. It helps me and challenges me to grow in my faith. So our Twitter question that I'm going to put out for this week is how are you challenging and growing your faith this week? So how are you being challenged with your faith? 
Is science the pure thing that's challenging it, or is there other things? And as we look at this, and we look at what even the the reassurance that we get in like Psalm 1 here, that he is there, he is going to help us flourish in these times. But it might be difficult. If you think about even just meditating on the Lord day and night, which is the end of verse 2, and we're planted like trees by a stream of water that yield fruit in its season, in its season, and their leaves do not wither. It takes time, though, for a tree to yield fruit. There are times that you're still going to have to trim back stuff, and it's going to take a while for the fruit to come back. And that's okay. This is where the church is and from where I sit. And I would love to hear your opinions on this. And I think it's one of the things as leaders in the church, we need to keep challenging our congregations to reach beyond what we're comfortable with. So again, I thank you for tuning in. I pray that this has been helpful to you. And I'm excited to get into Pentecost next week as we get into talking about the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit is working. And I'd love to hear back from you. I'd love to hear what is going on with your church, what is going on with you, and what is going on with your faith walk, and are these podcasts being beneficial to you? Throw out suggestions, throw me ideas. You have my email, I'm sending it to you. And feel free to also hit me up on Twitter. Faith and Sci Pod. So, again, we'll wrap it up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.